Welcome to Open Tab Sports. I'm Tyler, joined by Brett and Yeast today. We've got some good stuff going on for you this week. A huge week in the sports world. A lot of football going on. Uh, but I think we could all agree the biggest thing that happened this weekend was in the city of Atlanta, down at East Lake. Boys, Tiger Woods is back. Tiger's back. Dude. He's back, and uh, I'm glad you didn't mention the Falcons' overtime loss to the Saints as the best thing going in Atlanta. That was the worst thing that yeah. happened in Atlanta on Sunday. Brave, Braves clinched. Clinch, yeah, clinch, clinchmas, clinchmas. Yeah, there you go. The, the Braves did clinch, and it appears that they may actually win the division by more than Brett originally insinuated. So I was wrong. You acted like I was tarred, feathered, and ran out of the village. That's very, very difficult for me to say, and every, all our listeners should know that. I don't like admitting that I'm wrong, but I was wrong. Yeah, you never know. They still got a couple games with the Phillies, but um, right now we're we're fighting for home field advantage throughout. But let's get going. Phillies on are road. dead. Uh, but when we're talking about Tiger Woods, Open Tab Sports actually had boots on the ground at our first monumental sporting event since this podcast has started. Our beloved Andrew Yeast was our reporter on the ground. So give us a little taste of what it was like out there on Sunday, Yeast. Yeah, yeah. Long-time listener, first time calling in on this subject. Um, it it was surreal, boys. I know I talked to you guys a little bit after it happened, but we were lucky enough to be there. And out of all of the sporting moments in my life, you know, the Cats winning the national championship, being around for those, seeing a, a a triple crown winner, I never thought I'd see one of those. But I can tell you that being seen there, two of them, seen two of them, yeah, two in the last three years. But being there on 18 fairway when Tiger was coming coming home with it, and the the thing is that people don't know, and they're like, oh, I can't believe the marshals are letting them on the fairway. They didn't let us on the fairway. That was just pure pandemonium. All it started with, we were standing there literally at the crosswalk on 18 fairway where you have to cross to get over to 10, and there's no ropes. It's just a free-for-all crosswalk, and the thought being that there's enough class and golf that people will be able to do that. But it just started with one guy and a couple guys, and the next thing you know, there's a 1,000 people sprinting down the fairway. And, you know, just talking to people, and they're like, do you want to go? And I'm like, they can't arrest us all. Hell, they're going to arrest people. They're going, they're going to arrest everybody. So heck That's yeah, right. let's get down there. There Just were there were a lot one. of handcuffs there, but there weren't enough handcuffs there. I mean, the DeKalb County Sheriff's Office was just—they were thinking worst possible scenario, I'm sure. But you know, we stood there, couldn't see a damn thing, couldn't see him hit a shot or anything. But I, I, I had tears in my eyes because I never thought it happened again seeing him do that. And what better place to do it? He comes back. He plays the hero early this year. Everybody's kind of thinking, oh, you know, he's 500th in the world. Is he ever going to be able to get back? And he does it at the last event. I mean, how cool is that? You know, he doesn't win the FedEx Cup, but he gets his 80th win in the last event of the calendar season for the PGA Tour. I would agree with that, and I'm actually very glad he did not win the FedEx Cup because – I, I, to me, it would have just made a mockery of the FedEx Cup if someone who won their first event, the last event of the year, would have won the season-long competition. But it's so good to see him back playing like that. I I was a doubter. I was not 100% sure we would see him in a position like that again. Uh, but 
I mean, it, very impressive all week. I mean, wire to wire out there. What was that? Yeah, no. It, Sorry, what was that? They the PJ Tour put up something out on Instagram. It was a flashback to I think '97. Was that the Genesis where they had the same kind of crowd size come out uh, and support? Did you guys see that at all? Wasn't that Milwaukee? That, that was the that was the Western Open. Yeah, that was one of his first events as a pro, if I remember correctly. Maybe I think it was his first event as a pro, but may have been his second year playing it, maybe. But yeah, very very similar. And I mean, when you talk about just something very good for the sport to watch that on Sunday and to see what everybody else will see. I mean, they beat the NFL in the ratings Sunday during that time slot, which is unbelievable. I mean, they're look they're moving the events; so they don't have to compete with football. Well, as you see. Tiger Woods. If, with golf. if Tiger Woods is around, you're exactly right. Golf, yeah, golf's yeah, moving years. the needle. But uh, I mean, just just unbelievable. Do have to ask a serious golf question here. Just want to get your guys' thoughts. Not saying I agree or disagree. Does it concern you that he struggled to keep it together coming down the stretch? No, I mean he hadn't been in that situation for five years, and that's perfectly normal for everything that he's been through fighting that emotion, fighting all that, getting that feeling back of being like that, perfectly normal. I, I'm, I think he's – the more he puts himself in that situation, he's never going to be the tiger of old where he just shuts the door on people that final round. He, he tried. Gonna, he did try, but, I mean, he also, also – nobody challenged him. I mean, nobody – Rose shot a couple over. Rory – I mean, he might, as well have, he might as well not even have played golf that day. But isn't but that a tough – isn't that a testament to, to Tiger? I mean, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, East. I think, I mean, he was probably more nervous in that situation in that last couple stretch of holes. I mean, I know he was probably played the last few holes and, like, one over, but, I mean, he was probably more nervous than he's he's been in almost a decade probably. I mean, he's just so yeah. used to closing the door. I don't doubt because I don't want to be one of those people that end up on a commercial that's saying that they doubt Tiger and he goes and wins, you know, six tournaments next year. I think he can get back there. I just think it needed – I mean, that first one was always going to be difficult, and I think that showed throughout the year. I mean, he was close, seconds, top fives throughout the year. I think it's just a testament to, you know, him being in golf and on tour for over 20 years now, and it's just kind of – it's always been easy, and it's one of those things that's, you know, climbing back up on top of the mountain is always harder the second go-around. Yeast. Yeah, look, you, he's, he's – go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I said, look, he's 42 years old, 43. He's had five back surgeries, 13 or 14 total surgeries on his body throughout his golf career that has made him lose five to six years of competitive golf. And for him to come back and do that with everything that's happened with him publicly, to just stand up and do that, with, I mean, no, nobody, no, nobody even talks about the fact that Justin Rose is the number one ranked player in the world, and he beat the number one ranked player in the world toe to toe on a, on a Sunday in a final round. It's not always pretty. I mean, we were around golf enough that they don't ask for pictures on a scorecard. He made the numbers that he needed to make, and he got it done. And I think at his point in his career, that's what we're going to see. No, no, you're see. you're exactly right. He was very, very impressive this weekend. And, I mean, on the front nine on Sunday was as good. I mean, that was Tiger of old, and I thought we were going to see Tiger that just goes foot on the throat the whole way and closes it out. We didn't get that. We still got a spectacular performance, which bodes well for him moving forward. 
But uh, I'm really excited to see if he can get back to that point and, because the way he's hit, and, and, the way he's hitting it right now, it's very, very likely that he gets there. And another thing, Eastlake was playing very difficult that day. I don't know if you guys watched, but you saw the lie that he got on 16 where he had to just hack it out and the left rough. That was everywhere. You missed a fairway. I mean, you're 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 having a hard time making four. And so, don't overlook that. That there was. I mean, Billy Horschel played wonderful to shoot that number. So did Hideki. But no, absolutely. I mean, it it was playing harder than it played all week. But it was very good to see him hold it together enough down the stretch. You mentioned Justin Rose. You talked about Rory McIlroy a little bit. What do you think about the form the Europeans are uh, going into the Ryder Cup this week? Well, I think if Rory, I mean, the thing that concerns me the most is, you know, we had, we had two, we had, well, I mean, you could say, I'll consider Bryson a third. I mean, but I mean, you got, you had P. Reed and Phil Mickelson that were just, their forms, their forms the worst out of anybody going over there across the pond. I mean, I would agree with that. My, my concern's not so much. I mean, I think the European team, yeah, they're going to show up. It's on home soil. They always do. But I'm I'm more concerned with, okay, Phil's probably – he's more of a team guy this year. You know, you're probably not going to really lean on him like you have in the past for those crucial points. But I, I, I'm concerned, concerned about Reed a little bit just because, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's trying to figure it out. And, you never want to be trying to figure it out. You always want to – I mean, you might just have to roll with it, and that's what we have. You know, I heard this morning that, I mean, you're probably looking at a – you're probably looking up breaking the speed three pairing up at least once or twice and putting – maybe putting Reed with Tiger just so they can just – they just compete regardless of where the ball goes. Let's just compete because they're going to be able to get it in the hole, especially if you're playing with, with, with Mr. Woods. So – I mean, the European team, I watched Fleetwood hit it quite a bit on Sunday down there at East Lake. I mean, it's impressive what he does to a golf ball. And I think he's going to be a very, very tough opponent for anybody in match play. Yeah, I, looking at the leaderboard here, you actually had five Americans finishing the – five Americans on the Ryder Cup team finishing the top ten at East Lake on Sunday. And your only two from the European side that were in the top ten were Justin Rose and Rory. Uh, they made some noise, noise earlier in the week, but, you know, kind of struggled on uh, Sunday. But then you look also, Paul Casey outside of the top ten, John Rahm outside of the top ten, Fleetwood outside of the top ten, Molinari outside of the top ten. It's not like they're coming in flying either after last week. And no, I mean, you're, you're obvious candidates for the guys that are going to dominate for the Americans. You're looking at Tiger. JT's playing well right now. Uh, kind of, kind of very silently playing well. I will say, you know, he's not getting a lot of recognition. But I mean, another top ten at East Lake. I mean, he's he's been top five in the world for the past two years, pretty consistently. So I don't know. We'll see. This weekend will be a lot of fun watching it, especially on that golf course. Which, um, you know, somebody made the comment to me today that Thomas Bjorn's probably just going to have the the superintendent keep all the rough as long as he can, 320 yards off the tee to the right and left rough just so we can't hit driver. One fun fact I learned about Ryder Cup course setup uh, a couple weeks ago by speaking with a gentleman from the PGA of America, it is now in the captain's agreement that the home side cannot make any changes to course setup once the visiting team arrives on site. 
there you go. Well, maybe they're just letting it all grow. After <laughs> after after 08 at Valhalla, when they we were trimming down out. the trees off the tees for uh, JB and all those boys, that the Europeans got that in the agreement. So now there can be no changes to the golf course once the visiting team arrives on site. See, I think. Okay. I, and I think that's I think that's great. I I think sometimes it kind of bites you in the in the rear end, but I think one of the biggest storylines that was going to come down to the you know this week coming up is your big names are going to play play extremely well but i mean look at the captain's picks from the european side and you know like you said some of those americans are not quite in form heading up into this Ryder cup so i think one of the biggest things is just how are those kind of bottom four players on each team going to play i mean you know everyone's got to play that last day and you know more than likely a lot of those big names are going to play more than once during the first two days so it's just how they can kind of keep it together and get those points every point matters and I think at the end of the day it's how those those bottom tier players if you can say that um compete this weekend yeah Cody, I mean, yo what's your, what's your biggest surprise what do you think the biggest surprise will be coming out of when we're talking next week about the Ryder Cup what's your biggest surprise do you think will happen I think the biggest surprise is going to be how close it is. I mean, I think two weeks ago, if you ask people, they think the Americans roll. I just don't see that right now. Um, a lot of it has to do with going over there. The Americans haven't won over there in, like, what, 25 years? Is that correct? Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure foreign like, salt. Last time was, like, 85, 89, maybe. Or, yeah, 89, maybe. Yeah, so maybe even closer to 30 91. years. Uh, yeah, I don't think. But, I mean... Let's hope that's the biggest storyline that we're talking about next week is that the Americans went over there and won. Um, I was very, very confident. My confidence is dwindling as we get closer here. Um, it's it's just so hard to go over there and win. But I think that's going to be – I mean, that's – I think it's going to be very, very competitive throughout. Probably one of the closest Ryder Cups we've seen. I mean, Medina was close a few years ago, but that was more of a choke job. I think you see one of the best played and one of the closest Ryder Cups we've seen in quite a while. Before we end this segment, what is Tiger's record at the end of the weekend? <laughs> the question is, I mean, you got two sessions Friday, two sessions Saturday, and then you obviously got singles. The man's, played, played, the, the man's played a lot of golf recently, a yeah, ton I'm of golf. I, I'm thinking he plays, I think he plays one session each Friday and Saturday yep. and plays three, so I can see him going – He's, I can see him going. I mean, one, one, and one would be great. I mean, he's an, he's been an awful. His record, his record outside singles is terrible. The Ryder Cup, uh, but I do think that he's a different player this time. He's he's been around the team not just as a player. I mean, he's vice captain, assistant captain, whatever you want to call it there at Medina or excuse me Hazeltine, and then last year at Liberty National. You know, he's around the guys, so I, I think he's more of a team guy now. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes three and zero. I would be shocked if he went 3-0, and and that is not a knock at Tiger Woods in the least. I actually think he plays four sessions. Just when you look right now, when you look at this team, Phil's not going to play Phil's not going to play more than three. Bubba's probably not going to play more than three. He'll play four ball each day, won't, won't, and he'll play singles, won't play any alternate shot. Kepka's not in the best form either. Do you throw him out there an alternate shot? Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so I think Tiger's going to be forced to play more than we actually think he will. I think he goes, let's call it two one and one. I think he comes out with a winning record, but I de- but I definitely think he probably takes a loss somewhere. 
do you think anybody goes the distance and plays all five? Maybe. I Justin Thomas, maybe. I'll tell you, depending on how Spieth's hitting it, it would be very nice. I mean, he just had a week off. He's the he on, he's the one of the only players coming in from either side that's legitimately rested, except for the captain's sure. picks for the European side. Yeah, you know, no, you're right. But I mean, from the American side, I hope for our sake he does come out and play well because he is fresh and could go the whole way. And then, I mean, you got it depends on how Patrick Reed continues. But if what we've seen out of from international competitions in the past is any indication, I wouldn't sit him. I know he's not playing well right now, but he's really not played well in the past going into these things, and he's been pretty daggone good. Just a That's competitor. Fair. Yeah, I mean, okay. I mean, it's match play. It, you don't have to worry about saving strokes. You just fire down and see what happens and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I will say none of the boys hit a golf shot on Monday after Tiger's Tiger's victory and that plane ride over. I bet that was a heck of a lot of fun. From from inside sources, I've heard it was a terrific evening on that airplane going across <laughs> the pond. I bet there was lots of lots of fun on that airplane. Yes, uh, I, I've I've heard it was a tremendous amount of fun, and we'll leave it at that. So anyway, nonetheless. Gonna, I'm, I cannot wait. 2 a.m. Friday morning. Here we yeah, go. So 2 a.m. Exactly right. What What is your guys watching? How do you guys plan on watching the Ryder Cup? Are you going to set an alarm and wake up at two o'clock on Friday and Saturday morning? How are you guys going to go about it? For me, uh, I think definitely Friday morning. Uh, that's going to be an early one for me. Uh, I'm going to wake up and watch that one Saturday possibly and just kind of play it as it goes you know i'd like to say that i'm going to get up and watch every second live but it's just going to kind of be a game time decision after those first two days yeah i'm thinking friday i mean because it's all ceremonial for like half an hour on friday morning you're not actually hitting a golf shot till like 2 30 almost 3 a.m however i mean there's two sessions friday two sessions saturday I, I don't see myself waking up Friday morning. I do, however, see myself. I'm deleting. I'm going to delete Twitter. I'm not getting on Twitter on Ooh, Friday morning at idea. all. I'm not looking at any update. I'm going to stream it all live after the fact, catch up with it. So you're going to stream it delayed, not live? No, I'm going to – well, I'm going to stream it recorded on my DVR. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Not just, live. Just just wanted to clarify that that was – you didn't have to... super, superpowers to make that live. My, the biggest question, I guess, about that, Saturday, college football, all evening, do you just ride that over straight into Ryder Cup coverage? I mean, I, you could potentially – I could potentially see myself waking up at 2 a.m. Saturday and not going to bed until 3 p.m. on Sunday. Yeah, I I will Just be ride it all the way through. I will be at the UK game on Saturday, seven thirty kickoff, thinking that game's not over till eleven. I'm not getting out of Lexington till midnight. Not getting back home till one thirty. I think I'm just rolling with it. Yeah, grab a Red Bull and just go. I I think that's the plan for for Sunday, but it is. I mean, like I said, I think it's turning into one of the will be one of the more competitive Ryder Cups that we've seen. Now, granted, either side could go out there and roll over and play dead, and it just be an absolute annihilation, but I don't see that. I think we're going to see a lot of great golf and a lot of competition. 
Yeah, me too. It's uh, golf's in a great spot right now, and I'm excited to see what happens. I agree. Well, I think everyone has heard us speak enough about golf here, so let's go ahead and transition into what we've talked about the most for the last five weeks. Um, let's let's jump into some football this week. NFL. I have no idea what's going on in the NFL right now. It's unbelievable to me how inconsistent the play is, even from your good teams. I mean, you look at no no one has been consistent so far outside of the LA Rams, the Dolphins, the the Dolphins. That's a good point. Still still leading the division, boys. Hey, the Browns do not have a losing record. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. In, I, I don't know what's going on in the NFL. I don't know what – I mean, the Patriots for sure. I mean, there's always so much talk about them, but they lose to a Detroit Lions team that got annihilated by the Jets. So, you will see. I mean, I have no idea. Uh, the Bucks steelers game, that shaped up to be a pretty nice one on Monday night. Even is, though, is Fitzpatrick are – we, are we reaching the end of the line? Is it, is it going back to, to what we've seen? Now, granted, he bounced back terrific in the second half. Yeah, he played well. But the I first mean, quarter he was atrocious. Yeah, I don't know. I mean I, I don't know what I don't know about that one about him being keeping this consistent play up. However, I did hear today that the Buccaneers so I was just listening to some stuff and the Buccaneers and the Texans would be the two teams that would be able to acquire Le'Veon Bell due yeah. to their salary cap. Yeah, so, there there's a total of ten teams that have the cap space, but when you factor in other factors, there's probably a realistic shot of three teams and if if i'm mr bell i'm just kind of sitting and waiting around until the steelers come around because none of those teams are really gonna gonna push me either way if i was anyone outside of the pittsburgh steelers i would not add him mid-year the thing yeah I, i wouldn't either i'm with you because you could get him for you could get him in free agency when he wants to play for you even if you do acquire him mid-year he's still not wanting to play Right, he's he he's made his decision right. clear right now. I, if if I'm the Steelers, if he wanted to come back, yeah, I would probably take him on because, you know, they know him well enough. He knows the system well enough. But if I'm an outsider, no chance. I'm jumping on that grenade. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I can't believe the fact either that he makes more in one week, eight hundred fifty-eight thousand dollars. That's two hundred thousand dollars more than Corey, whatever the guy Connor. Corey Connor that make, he makes in one year. Talking about the team. running back, the starter yeah, right James, now for the Steelers, yeah. James Connor. Yeah, James Connor, James Connor. Cancer That's survivor. Wild. Yeah. Wild. What did you guys think about Calvin Ridley on Sunday? I I mean, I thought it was great to see um, kind of. There's a new number one in Atlanta. Really? That's false. Ah, hey, see, Julio scored one touchdown in the last two years. Yeah, when you have two guys and a safety looking your way every single time. Michael Thomas does it, and he still catches a ton of touchdowns. <laughs> see, my, <laughs> and you might be correct there, but the the Falcons, I guess you had Sanu and, you know, you had all these other players. But, I mean, everyone, when you're playing the Falcons, you're you're locking down Julio and say, beat me somewhere else. I think this is great. It kind of says to the front office of the Falcons, like, you know, everyone had their question mark going to get your first-round pick instead of doing defense or offensive line where you really needed it. You know, you go out there and get a a top-tier receiver. I think now now you're looking at it. Sanu, Hooper, and Ridley, until proven otherwise, are going to be single-covered, and it just opens the floodgates, which is what the Falcons need with that. Um, Just they've caught the injury bug when they're secondary in defense. 
So, I mean. Realistically, does that concern you, though, that every other number one in the league that gets the same treatment as him, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, guys like that, still find ways to catch more footballs, get in the end zone, and Julio's been quite ineffective at doing that in the last two years. You're making a great it, point. It, it bothers making, me. It really bothers me. Mike Evans is catching more touchdowns easily from Ryan Fitzpatrick than, you know, and he's got Fitz throwing to him, whereas Helio's got Matt I Ryan. S- I saw a tweet today. Somebody showed the last three touchdowns that Michael Thomas had caught this year. Literally someone in front of him and behind him. And he just goes up and makes plays. Julio does that inside between the 20s. You get inside the 20s and you just don't see that playmaking ability. And that's got to change or the Falcons are done. Oh, I mean, they're one and two. I mean, their chances of making a playoff this year, doing anything this year, are pretty much done. I think, you know, when it comes to this week in the NFL, there's a couple of divisional games that, you know, I can. Who do the Browns play? The Raiders. Is Gruden going to get his first win? No. The Cleveland Browns are going 2 1 and 1. Baker, hey, Baker. Baker's going to win some football games. Absolutely. He's fun to watch. I think so. I, I mean, that was one of the games that I was going to definitely look on. But um, I think the Ravens and the Steelers, you know, with that division shaping up, Steelers 1-1-1 one, one, and, one, and the Ravens 2-1. And one, that's going to be And the Browns 1-1-1. One, one, and one. Exactly. The and Browns. the Bengals are 2-1. and one. Yeah, they're going to get they're going to get they're going to get demolished this this they're, this time around in Sunday in Atlanta. But uh, no, also the Chiefs on. and the Broncos. Um Chiefs are three and zero, and they have the best offense in the NFL by far. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback that our dear heavenly Father ever invented. <laughs> wow, that's a bold statement. About, three three games into the you year. Talk, you talking about God? Yes, God. <laughs> <laughs> the the God. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about my God anyway. I don't know about everybody else, but Patrick oh, wow. Mahomes is an unbelievable football player. Have you? Did you look at the? the box score this week of when him and Baker Mayfield played in college when he was at Texas Tech and Baker was in Oklahoma. Yeah, I saw that. Mahomes had like 800 passing yards. That's a lot of fun. How many times did he throw it? 65? 70-something, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Baker threw for 400-something yards on 33 passes. <laughs> That's pretty good. Joe Mixon had 230 rushing yards in the game. Did we play with That's ten men on the defensive side of the ball the entire game? I like to think they played with five. The defense considered it a basketball game and just couldn't get anything done. That's like so many catch and runs if you throw for that many yards on that few passes. Or just bombs. Or just or just deep balls, yeah. There is no in between. So talking to, got yeah. us a little bit into college football there. Uh, what did you guys think about college football this week? I'll start out with my biggest the thing that I walked away with after Mario Cristobal at Oregon has to be fired, needs to be fired. They should have fired him Saturday night. You can't fumble the football with – if they kneel the football, they're punting the ball back to Stanford with 15 seconds to go. Stanford's going to get it inside their 10-yard line. Worst-case scenario, the 20-yard line. Instead, you fumble, they get a field goal, and then end up winning the game. Just terrible game management. I didn't see the game, but when you told me about this situation, I I mean, I had to scoot my jaw off the floor. I was utterly shocked. ESPN's game tracker that kind of gives teams the percentage to win had them at a 99.9% to win, and they lost. It's like betting the over. You're never out of it. That's kind of that's, 
that's kind of like what happened in Friday Night Lights when Booby got hurt. Why was he even playing? I agree. Now, Grant, well, that's because the one idiot didn't have his helmet on the sideline. There was a reason why Booby was in the game. I did have I did have Stanford minus two though, so I'm pretty glad it happened that way. But that was just unbelievable to watch how that unfold. Unfolded. Yeah. <laughs> Unfolded. Yeah. I mean, I, I I'll mention this right now. I'm in college football last week. The Kentucky Wildcats are ranked inside the top twenty. They're ranked inside the top twenty, and they have beaten two. Granted, we'll see how it plays out with Florida, but they looked awful good on Saturday running up on Tennessee. I know Tennessee sucks, and I've made that very – They gave them the ball six times. I've I've made that very well known on here. But, I mean, Mississippi State's good. Mississippi State's going to be really good. They've been really good for quite a few years, and I don't see that changing. Um, But when you look at what Kentucky did on Saturday, they just absolutely manhandled them from beginning to end. We got a lot of help. They penal- they, they they helped us with the penalties, obviously. I think well, but so many, how many? How many? But how many of those penalties were that they just couldn't blush Josh Allen off the edge? I mean, right. the, the left tackle jumped false start four times, and they had five holdings on Josh Allen. That's nine of their fifteen penalties, and those weren't anything that Mississippi State did. Because guess what? If they don't hold him, if they don't jump offside, he's killing Fitz Fitzgerald. Sorry, we were talking about Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick to Fitzgerald. Magic. It's a lot of Fitz Don't like going it. around. But Nick Fitzgerald was, I mean, he was under duress from the beginning. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's kind of crazy to think that the Cats have a shot at going to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, I did look at hotels in New Orleans this this week. They are, they're pretty pricey, but if it comes down <laughs> to that, that's that's what it'll be. And, I mean, I've said it the last three weeks. I'm going to continue to say it. Benny Snell is a damn good football player. Yeah, the best the best we've ever seen wear the blue and white for sure. He's one of the. I mean, he's definitely up there with top running backs in the nation at this point. Mississippi State has three offense or three defensive linemen that are projected to get drafted in the first two rounds this year. Two are supposed to go in the top twenty. Kentucky had 200 rushing yards against them. Their offensive line just dominated them at the point of attack. And Benny Snell rushed for 165 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, that's that's unheard of. Those yard, Mississippi State's not gave up yards like that in forever, and this is the strongest their defense is supposed to be. And they just put it all on them from the get-go. It was very, very impressive to see. It was a great atmosphere in Lexington, so it appeared on TV. And they're already sold out for this weekend, so it should be another exciting game with South Carolina. If they can get through that one, we're not talking about it yet, but if they can get through South Carolina on Saturday, things really start to come together about what they have to do. We've not seen nine wins in Kentucky since, what is it, 82 years? 84. 84. Not seen a nine-win team. Right now, if they get through South Carolina on this weekend, it would be hard for them not to get to nine wins with as bad as Louisville is, as bad as Tennessee is. As bad as Georgia is. Easy. Stop it. Stop (laughs) it. Stop it. Stop it. it. We'll talk about that one when we get there. Um, But I'm very excited about that. Yeast, where is Texas at on the back scale right now? Dude, they did it again. (laughs) They beat TCU. I can. I they, mean, they they beat the Christian University of Texas. That they did. They 
They're back. I don't know who they're playing right they're now. Back. They, they're, they're back, so you're saying, right now. They're back. Matter I mean, of factly, are, Texas is back after two weeks. What is this week? What are we going into, week five? Yep. They're going into week five. They're going to play Kansas okay. State, and they're going to get another win. And Then they go to Oklahoma. Then they got the Red River Shootout. So Once we'll they get see. to the Red River Shootout, it's all – I mean, they've got Oklahoma – Oklahoma. We looked at the schedule. Oklahoma today. State, TCU. You got to play. Well, they already West played Vir- TCU. They play West, West Virginia. Virginia. I mean, you got to think West Virginia wins that conference. But unless Oklahoma can some sort some sort of way wake up. But yeah, I mean, I agree with you, East. I think Texas is on their way back. I'm not as. On. Oh my goodness! Come on. For for you can't just consider. Listen, Texas should always beat Texas Christian. You can't declare them back because they beat TCU. If they beat Oklahoma, absolutely. Let's go ahead and throw it out there. If they we're beat West Virginia. Saying, we're sitting here saying Kentucky's the best team in the nation because they no beat one's saying that. And that, Mississippi State. That word was never said. I think Mississippi State is a far superior team than TCU. And I, hope, in, they play, I in, hope they play in a bowl. In all, <laughs> in all three phases, I think Mississippi State is substantially better than TCU. Okay. Not saying everyone, te- Texas has been impressive the last two weeks, but also does USC a, suck? Yes, they're terrible. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. Texas, n- Texas, not back. They're trending in that direction. Agreed. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give it to you. At least you guys are acknowledging it. Hey, they're still a player in the Big Twelve right now. They're still. They still have a they chance. They are. They could shake things up. Did you hear what uh, Tex coach Georgia Tech's coach? What's his? What's his name? Paul Johnson. Paul Johnson said yeah, they Paul still Johnson. have a chance to win the Atlantic Division. He's saying they're not out of it. After the season that they have started with, he says they are not out of it. Well, maybe they're not. What are, or have they been mathematically they're... eliminated? They are not mathematically. Got a chance. Their own Twitter Their own Twitter account uh, basically was they sent the emoji with the big shocked eyes. They, I mean, no one, no one in Atlanta believes hey. – that they're going to do anything. All you need is a chip and a chance. A chip and a chair, right? Chip and a chair gives you a chance, right? That's I guess how it works. I guess you, if you're Stanford, all you need is .01%. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good lead into this week. I mean, that's Stanford's got to come back. I won't call it a big win last week because they struggled for quite a while with Oregon and shouldn't have won the game, but they pulled it out, and that's what good teams do. They find a way to win. Doesn't slow down for them this week. They go to Notre Dame. You talk about a huge game for the playoff race. I mean, that right there, I mean, I think right now they're six and seven overall. For both of them, that's huge. But I'll tell you who this game's even bigger for is Washington. Washington essentially has to have has to have Stanford win that game to have any chance of being in the playoffs with that loss they already have to Auburn, in my opinion. You said a couple weeks ago that they were fine they didn't you know that they were still the playoff favorite out there in the west and now you say that they have I still to. I still think they do but if Stanford loses twice I mean they may not have a good they may not have a good win on the resume at that point and that's that goes all the way back to my argument with week 1 or week 2 of this podcast is Pac-12 football just ain't very good it's not very bad either but I mean they they need they need Stanford to be good to have a chance and that's not going to be easy going into South Bend. I I don't think Notre Dame's that great. I mean, Vanderbilt went in there, and Kyle Shermer almost got the job done. I do think Stanford probably wins. Bryce Love's going to be back this week. He missed last week with a 
hip injury or a concussion. They've left. They've not discussed it, but some injury set out. But apparently he's back 100%. So I do like them going on the road. I still think they're a good football team. Uh, but that's going to be a lot of fun on Saturday. Yeah, and I think the other game that you were talking about earlier this week um, is even more of one to watch. Um, there are a couple games that are going to highlight the final four uh, in the football race here. But I think Ohio State-Penn State is is the game to watch this week. I know it's game day, and um, basically that's going to – I mean, at least it should tell you who the Big Ten champion is going to be. I think um, after we've watched enough Big Ten football games this year, I think it comes down to them with the Penn State scares and earlier in the season, almost losing to App State, um, just not really moving off the ball right now. And Ohio State, Urban's back, and they seem to be rolling. A lot of a lot of football experts out there predicting them that they're right where they left off. So this game is going to be quite thrilling to watch. I don't. I've not looked at the gambling side too much of this game because I know the spread wasn't very appealing to me. Uh, but whatever the over is, bet it. Bet everything you own. Uh, Penn State, after they struggled with App State to open up the year to win forty-five thirty-eight, they beat Pittsburgh fifty-one to six, Kent State sixty-three to ten, and Illinois last Friday night sixty-three to twenty-four. Ohio State's defense isn't great is Bosa going to play he's been injured how where does that stand they've gave up quite a few points so far this year um, I, I expect this to be a shootout should be a lot of fun I think the game is in Columbus the game is in Columbus so that's definitely an edge to Ohio State there uh, but in that rivalry I mean who knows what's going to happen both teams are very very talented uh, Penn State had to figure some things out it seems like James Franklin's getting getting the job done there uh, but it, it'll be interesting to see. I think that, like you said, that wraps up the Big Ten, in my opinion, or at least that division. And then we'll see who maybe maybe Wisconsin figures it out and can put it on somebody in the conference championship game. I doubt it at this point. Man, if Iowa would have would have gotten a win out of that game, how, how different they should the Big have. Ten would have looked. They, they absolutely should have. Uh, but now Wisconsin's still sitting there with a chance, and that's – at least scares those guys a little bit, but I'm with you. I think that's that in the Big Ten. I think they definitely get somebody in, and I think it's probably one of those two. All right, there we have it. Fun fact about Iowa. So this is kind of kind of off the cuff, but Jimmy Garoppolo goes down for the 49ers, right? He Towards does. ACL, Out. correct. Oh, so uh, I know where you're going here. Their backup quarterback, C.J. Beathard, is now going to be throwing to the tight end, George Kittle, and they played college football together. So if anybody has, doesn't have George Kittle on your fantasy roster, go pick him up because he's going to have a monster week. Isn't C.J. Beathard, isn't his brother a country musician? Tucker, yeah. That's exactly right. Tucker, wow. I just looked him up on Google, and Tucker Beathard looks like a human being that I would never hang out with in a million years. <laughs> if I was paid a hundred thousand dollars, me and Tucker Bethard would never be friends. And if he is for some reason, one of the 100 people that listen to this podcast, never let me know because it would probably drive me to quit. Wow. Way to judge, look, a, way to judge a book like? by its cover. Uh, what does he, look like? he looks like he would start. Uh, he looks like someone from like Lincoln park or like green day. Yeah, he looks like he has had a few too many. I mean, he actually he actually just likes his brother CJ as well. They both kind of look like idiots. 
Hey, that, there you go. That, that's my fun fact there. George Kittle. Okay, you say he's going to have a monster week, and, they, I, and I get that he's comfortable with his quarterback. Doesn't mean he's but good. But do you think C.J. Bannon can actually get him the football? I think, I mean, he the, the tight end runs the shortest routes most of the time, so we got to get it to somebody quick. There's always He's always going to be there. He's going to be like that guy from the Bills. They thought he was going to come in and do something, throw five picks in the first half. Let's look at C.J. Beathard's college stats here. In his career at the University of Iowa, he started 40 games, and he threw for – by over 5,000 yards, completed 58% of his passes, seven yards of attempt per attempt, so that's pretty normal. Uh, yeah. 40 TDs to 20 picks, so two for one. Not, not too bad. Not, not too not bad. bad. Definitely not who you'd expect to see getting a start uh, in the NFL. In the NFL no. But right. crazier things have happened. Go pick him up. We'll see. Pick him up. All right, guys. Is it time to go ahead and jump into some gambling here? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. I'm just going to tell you, the last two weeks I've been pretty daggone hot. This week was 10-3 and three overall in my gambling, 3-1 and one on my picks for the podcast, 3-1 and one the week before. So if you had played my picks the last couple of weeks, you've, you've had pretty good weekends. I don't feel that's going to be the case this weekend, just to throw it out there for everybody. Um, not a lot of good matchups on the board, but there's a lot of competitive, ma- competitive matchups on the board. So I'll start out here. Uh, first off, I'm going to take West Virginia minus four at Texas Tech. I know Texas Tech's coming off a big win over Oklahoma State. They score a bunch of points, but I do think the West Virginia defense is pretty good, and I like I like them giving up four points in that scenario. I mean, Texas Tech got it handed to them by Ole Miss to open the year, and we've all seen where Ole Miss is at. I do think Texas Tech scores some points, but I think West Virginia scores a substantial amount more. Is it in Lubbock? It is in Lubbock. Pistols will be firing. It's a good pick. I have uh, I've spent quite a few summers over in Lubbock. Actually, been in their uh, suite, hosted uh, a gala actually in uh, in uh, Jones AT and T Stadium, uh, but not not good for the uh, the Red Raiders. I think uh, West Virginia and the Mountaineers are going to roll. I think they win by a few touchdowns. Actually, is Clint Trickett still the quarterback at West Virginia? Uh, Clint Trickett is coaching at Florida Atlantic, isn't he? Isn't he down he there? Went from, he went from scuba yeah. to yeah. Florida Atlantic. He had, too many, he had too many concussions. They he, had to, yeah, they he, had to switch his his lifestyle up a little bit. He didn't know Love which it. slime to go under center at. Love it. We already talked about this game a little bit, and I I kind of spoiled this one. But Stanford, I like them plus four and a half at Notre Dame. They're I mean they're ranked at the same spot. They're getting four and a half points. I don't think Notre Dame's actually that good. Stanford may or may not be that good. Jury's still out. But anytime they're uh, you got a top ten team catching around five points, I think you got to go with it. What was it again? Sorry. Stanford plus four and a half at Notre Dame. Ooh. I Brett, th- what do you think about that one? Well, I mean, I was I was planning on picking Notre Dame, but. I mean, after after what the Commodores or yeah the Van after what Vanderbilt went and did did that to Notre Dame, you know, played them close. Even probably should have won the game if not at least taking it to overtime. I think I think you got to go with Stanford, especially with Love coming back into the mix. 
Is it in South Bend? It is in South Bend. I like the Irish at home. There, there you, you go. go. We have we have a disagreement. I like it. My next pick, I've got North Texas minus seven and a half versus Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech did play LSU a couple weeks ago. Actually played them halfway decent. North Texas is the only undefeated team remaining in the state of Texas. They've got a really good team. I don't know if you guys saw the commercial today, but they're actually honoring Joe Green, NFL Hall of Famer, mean Joe Green this weekend. Apparently he played at North Texas. Who knew? They're letting someone wear his old number this week. So I've got North Texas minus seven and a half. That's my, that's my pick of the week. North Texas, all right. Hey. We talked about Texas. We talked about TCU. We need to be talking about the real team in Texas, up in Denton, the Mean Green. Okay, I don't have any. Uh, I don't have anything to argue with you about on that one because I have no idea about any of those teams. So whatever you say, we'll I, trust you. I agree with you. So the only way I'm going to find out who won this game is probably on next week's podcast when I ask Tyler. Yep, fair, exactly. Fair enough. I, I like it. And this pick, I kind of hate it, but I think it kind of has to happen at some point. Virginia Tech looked atrocious last week against Old Dominion. Old Dominion's not good. They're not a good FCS program at all. And they did whatever they wanted to to Virginia Tech. Duke Duke is on fire right now. This is the year of the basketball team in college football. Kentucky and Duke are both ranked in, in a football poll. First time since, like, the 70s that's happened. They've been ranked 545 times in the basketball poll at the same time since they were ranked in the football poll. How about this one? When was the last time Kansas, Duke, and UK were all ranked in a football poll? I don't think – probably never, and I'm not sure we ever <laughs> – I'm not sure we have to worry about it. Kansas has played better, but Kansas is not knocking on the door to be ranked. Kansas is not bad. I love it. But with all that being said, I've got Virginia Tech – plus five at Duke. I think they bounce back. I genuinely do. I think they probably went out right. I really couldn't find another game to pick on. I, Duke's much improved. They're as good as they've been since Spurrier was there, to be honest with you. Cutcliffe is a genius, always has been. What he did it with Peyton Manning at Tennessee, what he did with Eli at Ole Miss. I mean, he's one of the greatest football minds in America, so they are doing it right in that, that regard. But I'm going to take Virginia Tech plus five. I've got Duke in this one. You've got way too many picks that the the home team's going to lose and by too much. I I mean, like you said, I think Duke's playing too last, well. Last week I took all road home favorites and went three and one. So all road home favorites, huh? No, no, no. all road favorites. <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, that came. road home favorites. They were just they're playing yeah. in the street. Yeah, sure, well, yeah. this is going to be the this is going to be the one. I think uh, I, I I think Duke wins here. Three and like one Duke. at minimum this week. I like Duke. I mean, home field advantage has got to stand for something. But does it at Duke? I'm sure they'll probably have a lacrosse game or something on Saturday that'll make up for it. Do you think uh, the country band Old Dominion pays a, uh, some money to Old Dominion University to be able to use their name? I doubt it. <laughs> Do you think Old Dominion University plays money to the uh, – isn't it like a sugar company named Old Dominion as well? Yeah, I, I a, got, go ahead. It's a freight. Line. It's a truck line. There's, it's a 
a logistics company, Old Dominion Freight Lines. Yeah, I think you're right. I was I was way off there. They definitely did not make sugar, but <laughs> you're thinking of you're you're thinking of Domino Domino sugar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I wasn't that far <laughs> off. I wasn't that far off. Yeah, you used to used to be in the freighting business, so he knows all about that. That's right. Slinging slinging the slinging truckloads of vegetables. Is it left. is it Saya? Is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, Saya, S A I A. They're 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 LTL. They're less than truckloads, so they have <laughs> they do they do smaller like you know a couple pallets here and there. Nice. Well, so guys, we can talk sports <laughs> and we can figure out all your logistic needs. That's right. Just let me know. I can. I was a freight broker. All right, boys. Anybody got anything else to add? Go Cats, man. That's right. Cats by 97-30 this week. We'll see what happens with the Gamecocks. They won four straight against South Carolina. I don't see it stopping this year. Love it. Go Dogs. We yeah. need to talk about them. Yeah, I don't want to ever, ever want to play an 11 a.m. game again. They were, they were still asleep, and it showed. They survived another week. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Uh, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at OpenTab Sports. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Tweet uh, at us. Let us know what you think. All right, guys, have a great week. See you.